I'm talking way too loud And if you don't like the sound You could just tune it out Who you rooting for? They say whatever team that'll win I say cool, cause it's gonna be whichever one I'm in Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we're uh, going live right now. Uh, I just kind of talk randomly because uh, folks oftentimes don't tune in for the first couple minutes, but uh, Zoom takes us live anyway. Uh, D, the progress bar is just about ready to go, so uh, let's go here. Yeah, here we go. D, take it away. Uh, tell people what they can and cannot do. Welcome, everybody. Hope everybody had a great week so far. Uh, thanks for coming and checking me out on Saturday. This show is for education and entertainment purposes only. You have to be 21 and over in most states, like Fiumaro there. He's in Portland, so you have to be 21 and over. That's it. Thank you, Get out. Jersey. Uh, like D said, ladies and gentlemen, the show is for adults uh, only. No children, please. Uh, uh, even if you have children in the room or something, they shouldn't be listening. So, ladies and gentlemen, make sure that uh, everyone is above age. If the age that you're where you live is something is somehow different or whatever, please abide by that. Please abide by your local rules. Uh, we are certainly abiding by, by our local rules. So, uh, make sure that you are also not breaking the law, ladies and gentlemen. It's very important to enjoy cannabis from outside of a cage, right? Uh, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Welcome to Atomic Spoon. Welcome to Hashling and Hasher. Crime or Grows in the House. Smoke since in the house. Josh Colbert and uh, Zestier. Cheers, my friends. Welcome to the show. We have a great guest here today, uh, second or maybe even third time that they've been on the show. First, uh, definitely the second time at least. Uh, we've got Wendy and James of Organic Cultivators and also these uh, wonderfully named Supernatural Conference. It's going to be this weekend, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to talk to them. Uh, and they are not able to show us their video and everything else because they're literally sitting in a, a parking lot in Wyoming. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, they're giving us their their time very kindly because right after this, they're going to keep driving basically all night and all day until they get there uh, of the wild blue yonder where they're heading off uh, uh, back east. But in the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, before we get uh, flagged or anything else, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, not only is the show above uh, 21 uh, uh, and how do I say 21 and over only, I'm getting all distracted with my freaking thoughts, uh, but also, ladies and gentlemen, we are not actually a cannabis show. If you thought we were a cannabis show, you are wrong. We once upon a time did occasionally talk about cannabis, but we learned that that's a very bad thing because we could get reported for that. So now we talk exclusively about fake cannabis. Ladies and gentlemen, we talk about pseudo cannabis. All of the cannabis that's going to be consumed on this show is actually from uh, Hollywood Magic Cannabis, my new business, uh, looking for investors. We're looking for maybe like $3 billion. That's basically all we need. I'm thinking maybe like a fourth billion would be nice too, just for like really baller parties on the Hollywood Magic Cannabis yacht. We'll see. Once we get some investors, we'll see how much money is in there. But in, in the meantime, remember that all the cannabis that's uh, consumed is not actually cannabis. It's fake Hollywood magic cannabis. It's just like your favorite cannabis, except for only in a, one way. It looks like cannabis in every other way. It's completely not. In the meantime, though, it would be completely legal to talk about cannabis if we were talking about cannabis on this show. It's legal to talk about it. It's legal to grow it. It's legal to smoke it. Legal to toke it. Legal to give it away. Leave legal to take it from people. Well, not really take it from people thievingly, but you know, like if they were to give it to you willingly, uh, that was kind of where we were like, give me your cannabis. No, it's not legal to do that. But it's legal to take it if they were to offer it to you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, uh, it's legal to grow seeds of it. It's legal to know about it. You name it, uh, folks. If we're, uh, for example, uh, uh, where, where Wendy and James are from in California, uh, smashed. And we're 
Bernard Diaz. It's federally legal. You couldn't touch that with a stick if you wanted to. Ladies and gentlemen, there is nothing to report, even if we were to talk about cannabis. But again, remember, it's all fake cannabis on this show. And once again, my apologies, Wendy and James. We just have a couple of stalkers in this show, so we have to read these kind of uh, disclaimers so that we don't get reported. And once again, I lost my disclaimer page again. Where the hell did it go? I'm find I swear to God, you keep saying <laughs> deported instead of reported. Do I keep saying deported? Okay, that's going to be the I next swear. thing we're going to do. I don't know. They're going to deport us next. I'm like, we're going to get deported. See. So, uh, unfortunately, thanks to a computer issue, I don't have the page pulled up with all the don't do this, don't do that. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to basically say we don't do any fake engagement on the show. We don't impersonate anyone under any circumstances. Please, under uh, no circumstances, uh, consider that there's going to be any impersonation here. Uh, we are uh, absolutely committed to child safety. Uh, we do not, under any circumstances, engage in any kind of nudity or sexual content. We do not, under any circumstances, want you to uh, come here for any suicide or self-harm advice, ladies and gentlemen. We do not discuss those things whatsoever. Please, if you are suicidal, please get help. We do not engage any uh, spam, deceptive practices, or scams. Please do not uh, also expect those here. Uh, we will certainly not teach you how to hack. I remember that was one of the things we're not supposed to talk about. Our vulgar language, unfortunately, is somewhat uh, elevated on the show, but we do our best not to uh, engage in it. But once uh, uh, more importantly, we do not engage in any harassment and cyberbullying or cyberbullying. We do not actually even discuss firearms, harmful or dangerous. Ah, here we go. The harmful or dangerous conflict. Should have just looked on that link. God damn it. All right. I could have saved us all some time. Eating disorders. Content that praises, glorifies, or encourages viewers to imitate anorexia or other eating disorders will not be discussed in the show. Eating disorders are characterized by abnormal or disturbed eating habits. Please do not do any of those things. Instruction theft or cheating will not be allowed on this show, ladies and gentlemen. Hacking will not be discussed on this show. Demonstrating how to use computers or information technology with the intent to steal credentials, compromise personal data, or cause serious harm to others such as, but not limited to, hacking into social media accounts, not on this fucking show. Bypassing payment for digital content or services will not be discussed on this show whatsoever at all. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, we do not build any kind of bombs here unless they are flavor bombs made with chocolate, melted chocolate. That would be delightful. But no explody bombs discussed on this show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, in the meantime, welcome, Wendy and James. How you guys going? How are you guys doing? Cheers. Welcome. Oh my gosh. I don't know. That was so much preamble legal jargon. It was crazy. It was amazing. If I don't do it, I'm, I get slammed every single show. So I have to do it now yeah. and then there's no, nothing. Yeah. Going yeah. I, I feel you 100%. That was just like, I'm like, oh, oh man, we, we, we haven't been doing this right at all. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or you just, well, you just have a better audience. Well, okay, I shouldn't say that. I have a good audience, but we have a couple of stalkers. But in the meantime, uh, I honestly, all of us should probably do it. Like, maybe it's a good lesson. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, everybody should basically, a lot of different YouTubers from uh, 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 Mr. Canucks Grow to a bunch of others, first thing in their video is basically this whole big disclaimer. And that's probably one of the only ways that they're actually able to grow because otherwise, oh, I can't even tell you the amount of times my channel has been reported. It's almost gotten deleted a couple times. Oh, my goodness. Anyway. It is what it is. Uh, I guess let's finish our uh, introductions. By the way, folks, we are on guest rules this evening. So because we do have a, a great guest on and they have a very limited amount of time, we're not going to be just kind of uh, allowing people willy nilly. But if you've been on the show before and you think you have a really interesting contribution to offer, pop on. Uh, it would be nice, honestly, if you just ask uh, politely in the chat, that would be super helpful. Otherwise, I'll let D and uh, actually smashed here uh, uh, let people in. And we'll mostly let uh, Wendy and James talk about their conference and stuff. Uh, D, what's going on, my friend? Welcome. What's going on, chat? What's going on, panel? Looks good, Smash. Um, uh, not much here. I'm smoking some Black Diamond Stunt Cannabis. Also got some Pink Star can Stunt Cannabis and some 
that nasty GG4 that I'm not too big on. This, anyways, um, let's get on with the show. Got Cheers, a great guest. Good to see you, bud. Cheers, everybody. What's going on, Smashed? What's up? I waited to take my dab. I was getting ready. Uh, cheers, everyone. I had seen a few minutes ago. We're having guests tonight. I asked if I can come on, so here I am. Um, maybe when they depart, well, I'll show up what I did in the garden last night. Right on. Uh, speaking of departing, where are you guys headed, uh, uh, Wendy and James? What's the what's the rush? Why are you in a parking lot in Wyoming? Uh, because, uh, well, I'm leading to it. You guys are going to the Organic Super uh, Organic Cultivators Supernatural Conference. Uh, what's the story about it? Tell us more. Uh, well, we're driving across and in the parking. We suck at time management, basically. <laughs> so. Um, we left way later than we were supposed to, and we are bringing a lot of stuff to the conference. So um, flying would be more, this is more cost prohibitive. So yeah, we're, we're doing this and we enjoy each other's company. So, you know, it's uh, it's not too bad of a drive, mm. but uh, yeah, we're, our second annual conference is happening in Sturbridge, Massachusetts. It's February 17th, 18th, and 19th. And then there's actually a workshop on the 20th that Suzanne Wainwright is putting on. Um, it's an IPM predator release workshop. Uh, I just talked to her today. I guess one of her friends is bringing a, uh, a bug blower. So they're going to hmm. uh, blow bugs um, as kinky as that sounds. Um, <laughs> and uh, I don't think it involves where, you know, actual blowing a bug, but uh yeah, so there's, I don't know, there's probably like 15 to 20 speakers. Uh, there's panels. Most of the, um, it's a lot of audience-led discussion. So there's lots of audience participation. And then Saturday, um, we just kind of, because the audience is uh, going to be smaller this year, and Dan uh, Kittredge recently reacquired his family farm, which is about 10 or 15 minutes from the conference, on Saturday, we are taking an impromptu field trip to Dan's family farm. Um, so part of the day will be on the farm, which sounds kind of crazy, uh, uh, you know, the East Coast in February, but it's supposed to be like close to 60 almost. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but yeah, it's three days of uh, intense yeah. agriculture education. I'll say this over here. Um, I live in Massachusetts. And like we just had a show Saturday and it was abnormally nice. Today was abnormally nice. Um, it looks like we might actually skirt winter this year a little bit. That's yeah. That's what we've been hearing too, is that it's been like 54 degrees at the, you know, like super crazy kind of warm spell. And meanwhile, as we drive, we have a massive storm on the North of us and a massive storm on the South of us. But like I 80 has been relatively clear, although mm -hmm. super cold. So, uh, yeah, a little farm field workshop, field trip workshop is uh, probably in the cards as long as it holds, as long as the weather holds out. What do you hope? Yeah, uh, have, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say there, you know, for people in mass or who are familiar with uh, NOFA, NOFA mass will be there with microscopes um, ready to scope soil samples alongside with microbiometer who you know if you're familiar they have a tool um to look at your soil and so they're you know you're going to get to do some side-by-side -side comparisons um so yeah if you if you're coming bring some soil and 
Yeah, yeah it's, that. it's going to be really cool to see a couple of these things in action. The microbiometer, uh, I've been hearing a lot about for the past probably year or so, maybe more. And I'm kind of really excited to actually see it in action and play with it and see how it works and see how it holds up to comparison to a, an actual microscope view of what the soil looks like. So it's going to be cool. I was just going to say, what do you guys... Um what was the expression I was looking for? What do you guys hope most that people will take from a conference like this? Like you guys, you guys have done it a couple of times already. And I think you've gone to other conferences. What do you hope most that people will walk away from with it? Or with? Inspiration. <laughs> for me, it's, it's mainly about inspiring people. It's about giving people the, uh, you know, almost the courage to step into more sustainable ways of cultivating food and medicine. Um, you know, and then kind of, shifting the paradigm on how we think about our world through that. So through this connection that, you know, becomes more natural where you start thinking about things in a different way, how that feeds through to everything that you do. So all of a sudden you're buying less plastic and you're starting to pay attention to bringing silverware with you instead of using to go silverware and, you know, just kind of super hippie things like that, that aren't in your forefront of your ideology. But when you start, you know, doing more natural farming stuff, you start thinking about soil and plants differently. And we see that that kind of feeds through. And um, the biggest problem that people generally have is they, they don't know where to start. And they don't know how to start. So they just keep doing what they've been doing, which is, you know, synthetic nutrients and, um, you know, no offense to all the indoor growers. I know it's necessary in a lot of places, but I still think there are ways to do it more sustainably, even, you know, just for moving from, you know, to lower energy consumption and thinking about, you know, scaling back on your needs if you can. And, um, yeah, just kind of the whole flow through of all of that. <clears throat> yeah. I think for me, what the OC group has grown into is an effort to connect all of the different camps of agriculture. And, um, you know, obviously the, the, you know, the speakers are come from different backgrounds. So there's, you know, there's research scientists and there's an entomologist and, you know, probably 200 years of farming between the farmers there. Um, so it's, it's really connecting the groups that need to talk. I mean, you know, there's a lot of um, talk in the community about things that, you know, we're noticing as cultivators and farmers, these correlations, you know, if I'm doing this and I'm seeing this. Um, but on an academic level, um, the work hasn't necessarily been done. So getting those two camps together um, is, is really important. Um, the three days is packed full of information, but it's also an opportunity to get everyone together and start networking. Um, for me, I, the most important part of all of this is to, to really start making those connections. Um, last year, I didn't you know, I ran some panels and I, I kind of ran the conference this year. I'll be cl closing out the first day um, with a short keynote, which will kind of touch on a lot of the stuff and, and what I, where I see the OC group going with our efforts in the future. Um, but ideally, anyone who's coming to the conference, whether you're new to growing or new to organic cultivation or you're super seasoned, you know, there's there's an opportunity there for you to engage in a discourse that can really further your understanding or deepen it. Um, and it allows you an opportunity, you know, to, again, make those connections and 
my hope is that moving forward, we together have a loud enough voice that we are permeating the thought of everyone. Um, there is a lot of talk about climate change and pollution and really the, the biggest detriment to the planet is the way we farm. Um, and if we can reverse that and fix that, then we're, we're off to a running start on a lot of these other things. And in order to change that, we have to get everybody in the same boat and aware and, and have the same message, beating the same drum. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what my lofty hope for the conferences are um, moving forward. I was just going to say, it's um, oftentimes overlooked, or if it is discussed, it's only kind of discussed in passing. How did I phrase it? Cost versus impact. Uh, you know, people will say that it's cheaper, faster, stronger to grow with synthetic nutrients. But then, for example, they, in many cases, or in most cases, forget the impact. I think that's, in many cases, maybe what you guys are fighting against. I mean, you're probably not fighting against it so much as you're trying to create a different paradigm. But in a sense, you're kind of, fighting against that old paradigm of the synthetic nutrients that ends up causing algae, algal blooms or however you pronounce it, an algae bloom, I guess, basically in rivers. Uh, what else? There's a, a beautiful river here, not too far called uh, uh, the Wilson River. And for years and years and years, uh, uh, waterways in Oregon are navigable up to their high water mark. So you can go as a fisherman or whatever else, you can literally just wade, wade in the river or uh, uh, go down by boat or whatever. So lots and lots of fishermen uh, really enjoy our rivers. Well, the Wilson River has been famous for years because the, 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 the banks may be public to up to the watermark, but basically all the land from the dry land pretty much uh, uh, up has been basically farmers, ca uh, cattle farmers. People are always surprised how many cattle farmers there are right next to the ocean. Uh, you know, Portlanders are always like, oh, it's beach country. No, it's actually cattle town. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that there's just tons and tons of fertilizers that wash off of those uh, cattle farms, basically. Uh, and I guess grass seed and stuff, they grow too now that I'm thinking about it. Anyway, that kills tons and tons of fish and it kills the ecosystem of the Wilson River. Uh, and it also has been basically causing blooms in the freaking uh, uh, Tillamook Bay and other different bays, basically up and down the West Coast, right? Other are there golf courses? The same way. 100% golf courses, you name it. Golf courses is a wonderful example. It's a fucking lawn that people play on and it's just covered in synthetic fertilizers, right? Yeah. Are the whole thing sprayed down. I watch yes, them usually. There's, there's, there are a few golf courses that have actually transitioned over to um, non-chemical and I, I don't know where they are. I know I've been following. I think that Leighton was working with one of them for a minute. Um, and I know that there's been a lot of push on golf courses because they are so riddled with pesticides and chemicals, synthetic nutrients, and their runoff in order to, you know, keep everything that lush green and even and everything. It's it literally an environmental catastrophe that just looks pretty. And uh, yeah, it's definitely something that, you know, we see. We see shifts happening in a lot of places. The youth of today is very aware of, you know, the mess you that know, basically we've left them and, you know, trying to keep people optimistic and that, you know, we can change this. There is enough time. We absolutely can start this shift. It's not, you know, the end of the world, but people have to be courageous enough to, to take those steps. So, yeah. I bet you if I walked probably 100 feet in my backyard and took a soil sample, it's so close to that golf course that it would be dumb high. With, it with probably would be. Fertilizers yeah. and stuff. 
No, I'm, around I'm hoping, here, almost everyone that I know that's bought a house uh, uh, basically has had to, well, that went, you know, organic or something, uh, has had to spend a few years growing, you know, squash or whatever. There's like this whole process that you basically grow a bunch of plants so that they'll pretty much lay stuff into the soil. Uh, and you basically have to because everyone for the last 40, 50, 60 years just used miracle Grow and whatever other synthetic garbage, you know, just even on the lawns, it's really bizarre. Like you want to grow, like you, let's say as a home grower, you want to grow a couple of plants in the backyard, a couple of weed plants. You probably should freaking remediate your goddamn backyard as dumb as that sounds i mean i'm being a little bit of an asshole because no. it's not like synthetic newts are that bad but you know like all the different lead paint all the different crap that the, no, you, you well, know, and, and people use a lot of like broadleaf herbicides and things yeah. on their uh, lawn so yeah. we we see this all the time in the group people are like what is wrong with my plant it was looking so good and now it looks like utter trash like i don't understand and we're like dude what's on the other side of the fence that your plant is right up against and they're like oh that's my neighbor's lawn we're like yep What's your neighbor using on his lawn? <laughs> no, it, it, you know, it the just, thing is, I was just going to say that the writing is the writing is on the wall. These conversations are happening more and more often in common households. Um, the availability of organic food is much higher across the board, even in Middle America. Um, but you know, it is it does take some time, and I think you know people who you know commercial farmers and that's really you know talking to you know i'm i'm you know a home grower at heart you know small garden small tent grows and you know until a couple of years ago that that was my life um you know and and really those are you know super passionate cultivators and they do help spread this information but the people who are making the largest impact um globally are commercial farmers um, and they're the ones that we have to convince and get to change over. Um, and the only way that that happens is if they see it's economically yeah. um, viable and um, impactful, that it's going to make, it's going to better their farm. It's going to better their business. Um, so, you know, as much as we want to come at it from, a, you know, you got to save the fish and you got to save the planet. And these are all things I believe in, um, you know, they care about feeding their kids. And generally, people are, are concerned about themselves and their family and, and the immediate impact. Um, and right now, we have a golden opportunity with the way fertilizer um, cost and availability is right now. Um, a lot of these farms are, are being forced to switch to organic methods. Um, so we have an opportunity to reach out and, you know, speak with and help maybe the people that we view as the bad guys um, to help get them to make the change that benefits us all. Is it on some level though, you always have to ask yourself, is it a little bit of a drop in the bucket or do we little by little by little kind of change the, the, the paradigm? How do I say this? Maybe it doesn't even matter if it is a drop in the bucket because like we all have yeah. our own lifestyle or whatever. Like, how do you see that? I guess yep. when I said that, well, uh, it takes a lot of drops to fill the bucket, but it's fucking raining. Oh. I mean, regenerative is a buzzword now. It you know, sure it's is, yeah. uh, everyone making conscious. This is why, um, if you guys aren't familiar with it, Dan Kittredge, the, the Bionutrient Food Association, one of the things they're doing is they have this meter that through light, uh, spec, uh, I forgot my, my brain is not working. Yeah. Refract ref refraction. <laughs> um, they're trying to determine the de uh, nutrient density of food basically by shining a light on it. Hmm. Um, and 
Literally. The technology exists. This is how we are able to tell the compositions of planets from, you know, thousands of miles away, light years away sometimes. Um, and so we, we, know, we know these things really well. Um, and I think they're what on the second or third iteration, there's like seven or eight things that they're measuring. And so they're just trying to get this database. The hope is that in the future, you and I will be able to go into a store with your phone and just have an app on it. And then you shine a light at different produce and it'll give you a value for the nutrient density. If that happens, it puts all of the power in the consumer to choose the food that is the healthiest. So the, you know, tomatoes just costing a flat cost because it's a commodity that will change slightly. And farmers will not only have, not only will be financial incentive as far as because the costs are cheaper to farm naturally, um, but there will be an incentive there to create a more nutrient dense food. And right now, all of the studies are pointing towards, you know, growing in soil um, produces a more uh, nutrient dense food than a hydroponic plant. So um, there is uh, some really interesting things going on there. So I think every effort you can make definitely makes an impact. Um, I'll tell you right now, like I'm, I am someone who for a very long time bought and still do buy, I buy bottled water and Wendy complains about it a lot. And after like actually seeing like, Oh shit, that's a lot of fucking plastic. Like it really changes what you think about how, what your impact is. It's a lot. One person it's it, very, it can be a lot. It's very different when you don't have trash service. So because right. we live in the country now, we have to go to the dump. And this is kind of like James was saying, I get on his case a little bit because I'm like, babe, there is so much single use plastic in our recycling. And it's like, that's not something that I'm used to. So um, my whole life, I had trash taken away. So like, it wasn't something where like, it's out of sight, out of mind. I think I'm, I'm growing my own food. I'm doing, I'm making all these right choices, but at the same time, like I'm at work, I need water. I'm buying a bottle of water. So like those things where you just, you you're not even thinking about that shit unless it's right in front of your yeah. face, you know? So yeah, I think every drop matters. I don't think, you, you know, you have to be, you know, you have to weigh the pros and the cons, right? Because money is a factor and people who are um, poor and uh, impacted um, financially oftentimes can't make these decisions and they have to make uh, choices that are poor for them health health wise and poor for the planet. And that's because that's all that's available to them because of the way our society is structured. So, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, there's, you, you really have to weigh what you're doing. You know, we try to as much as possible source things locally, but um, sometimes you can, depending on what it is. It's a very good thing to think about sometimes. And I think people every once in a while bring it up, you know, certainly in my chat, we've, we've discussed this, like, the, the prioritization of those kinds of things. Where am I getting to? I'm basically trying to say like, is that the most impact that you could do? Let's say if you were, if you were to set out as a goal for yourself that you want to make a, an impact in your life or you want to not make an impact in the sense of, you know, pollution or whatever, what would you do better? Would you recycle more? Would you spend more time with organic fertilizer? Would you do something? I don't know. Uh, I can't structure a question with that, to be honest. That's too complex. Brandon Family <laughs> Farms, what's going on, my friend? Welcome. What up? What up? Cheers, dude. 
Uh, nice looking garden, guy. by the way. Beautiful garden. What was I going to ask? Do we have here? Oh, look at that. There's the uh, oh, did you go last year? Oh, right on. That's the, you were saying in the comments. Exactly. Did you go last year? How was it? Obviously I went wonderful. last year, and you know what? I don't know if James remembers, but he actually, this was a birthday present that he got me in. Because <laughs> it was my birthday on the 15th, which is tomorrow. You know what I mean? Nice. That's sweet. Yep. That's awesome. I had a lot of fun last year. It, uh, I got a lot out of it. Uh, and one of the biggest things I got out of it, like they were saying, was not not only did I do networking, but I made uh, friends that I stay, stay in touch with and talk to. And uh, and I, I have them come in my booth. And you know what I mean? Like uh, I made good friends from that place. Yeah. Well, what's your name? Miranda Family Farms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're, you're actually because I know that wasn't what the name well, was. Well, I take it. Was it? Huh. Seth. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. I think I know yeah. his last name. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, cool. I love it. Yeah. And that's, and that's part of what we like about this. We do have streaming tickets available, but you miss out on the networking. You miss out on kind of the human connection. Um, we, we kind of end up talking a lot last year. There was a, a common, nice. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Uh, we ended up talking a lot last year about these common threads that speakers were bringing together like almost everybody mentioned you know this kind of idea of intentional agriculture and intentional community and um oh our car just made a weird noise um and uh oh it's just really gusty wow crazy weather um anyway um and the, the idea of intentional agriculture and how that kind of you know you make these connections of friends that give you ideas and kind of keep you accountable in a way and give you inspiration and keep you moving forward and stepping, you know, into the path where you are making a difference. And, you know, it, it's like, it sure drop in the bucket, but you know, who knows who the next person is that's going to inspire an entire world change. That's true. Like, you know, anybody could be the next Gandhi. Anybody could be the next mother Teresa. Anybody could be the person that is a pivotal person. Uh -huh. that causes an entire global shift of, you know, our thought processes and the way that we, you know, manage ourselves and our businesses and the way that we just go through life and, uh, you know, making sure that people, you know, okay, great. You're a big business and you want to greenwash your business by, you know, doing some organic farming. Hey, okay. Maybe you're not doing it for the right reasons exactly, but if it puts you on the right path, then I'm still stoked. That's still a win for humanity as long as it stays on the right path and continues on the right path. That's what I've heard from a lot of friends who used to be, let's say, organizers or I don't know, any kind of political or basically political organizers and stuff. People say, OK, so, you know, maybe you think that that person over there is agreeing with you for the wrong reasons, but they're agreeing with you. That's a step in the right direction. Right. And basically you, you have built common ground basically already. So don't push them away. Basically there are plenty of people who say, well, you have to be just like me. Plenty of people yeah. in organics are like this. You have to be just my exact way or you're garbage. In fact, there's this kind of like church of organics, right. Where people are kind of yep. douchey to each other basically. Cause you're not, that, that's such a wrong way to look at it. A hundred percent. Right. And th th that's how you organize is exactly when sometimes you have to work with people you despise. Hmm. But you both agree on something, it might be right, and you, you have to, that's 
organizing across party lines, that's how it works. And this is what I meant by all the different camps of agriculture, because there are some very rigid um, mindsets within regenerative agriculture or biodynamics or, you know, name your camp. Um, and to me, I feel like it's a giant mistake because it is the number one thing that allows, um, you know, corporations and legislation um, to work against us um, as small farmers and the people who are trying to organize. Um, because as long as we're divided, and this is across the board in anything in life, as long as we're divided, you know, we're focusing on what's dividing us instead of what our common thread is. And oftentimes we have way more in common than what we have different. The, uh, the amount of flack we've taken for, you know, talking with big businesses and, you know, I like it, it's kind of wild to me that people that profess to hold this very, you know, um, elevated worldview will still turn around and stab people in the back for right. like, you know, communicating with the wrong person. Like yeah, you don't absolutely. support the, you know, home growers because you're teaching this person. I'm like, yeah, but that's, we don't change the world by dividing further. We teach Those the world folks are by, not believers. They're you know, fanatics, right? They're basically yeah. the, the folks that were, you know, I don't know, pushing through the Ayatollahs in Iran, right? You have to do exactly as we say. If you do anything different, we're going to freaking stone you or something, right? No, I've, I've seen those kinds of people. It's ridiculous. Like, how do you say it's, this? It's if crazy. Pepsi, if, if, a, if Pepsi send a representative to your show, I guarantee tons of people would be super upset. Maybe not the people at your show, but, you know, if they heard about, oh, my God, you know, Pepsi showing up at an organic show. But wouldn't that be amazing if Pepsi made like a 5% reduction in their plastic use worldwide or yeah. whatever? Yeah. You know what I mean? That would be massive. Su Suzanne, right? would, Suzanne would not be happy. It would have to be Coca-Cola. That's right. It would have to be Coca-Cola to kick them out. <laughs> if... So like I said before, the way we look at it is like, eh, you know, if you have to trick them to get them to save the world, you know, because they're interested in saving money, like I'm fine with that. All the other shit comes after. Like once you start putting some of this stuff in practice, you're like what you said, your mindset changes a little mm -hmm. bit. So, um, you know, for me, I, I don't. And, and to be clear, like we don't we're we're a small farm in California and, you know, we're like a lot of other farms trying to carve out. Uh, you know, a place for ourselves in the market so we can feed our kids. And it's super tough given the way the cannabis industry is. Um, you know, we've been incredibly lucky to to hold on the way we have. Um, but there's there's no way that we would ever um, not teach someone these principles because they have more than us, um, have different values than us. Um, you know, have even fought against some of the things we believe in because we believe that this information is the ultimate info, that it does change your mindset. And ultimately, it's changing what we need to be changed, which is how we're interacting with the world. Education should not be exclusive. Education should be available to everyone because that, again, that's how we shift. That's how we change. So that's why also with the conference, we try to put as much of the information online after the fact as possible. Because again, if you can't afford to come, we don't want it to be like, well, yep. then you're not in the right class to have the information. Like that's, that's not, yeah. that's Our, not cool. <laughs> I, I, um, this year we, um, 
after after going through all the setup and everything of the conference, I would love that the next time we put on a conference for all of the costs to be paid for by sponsors. So that way, uh, a ticket is extremely reasonable for people who want to go there in person. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, I everything that we do with other than Suzanne's talk, because we're not allowed to record that. Um, everything gets put up on the YouTube afterwards. So if you can't be there, um, if you can't participate in the streaming, it's all there. What was I yeah. going to say? Oh, I was going to say something that like, uh, well, I, I keep saying this almost every single guest that comes on here, but I guess it's kind of the same thing. These kind of collective, uh, uh, in your case, your conference, that's obviously a much more advanced version of what I'm about to say, but these shows where we have these conversations, any of these interactions are kind of collectively our verbal version of the cannabis, uh, library of Alexandria, right. Or let's say the library yeah. of Cairo, maybe. And basically those places were where mathematics were invented, where, where, where astronomy was invented and people from all over the world or Cordoba in Spain, right. It was still an Arab place at the time, but basically it's the city Cordoba now. Uh, how do I say this? People from all around the North Africa, the Middle East, you name it, they would basically congregate there and they would basically, how do I say this, uh, uh, interchange ideas. Like the idea where you were talking about the light spectroscopy, that's some fucking interesting shit when you think about it. Like I've been hearing uh, people talk about with exoplanets, you know, planets that revolve, you know, 20 years ago, we didn't know for sure if we assumed, but we didn't know that planets orbit stars other than our own, right? We now it's sure every we can star. See them. Now it looks like just about every fucking star in the entire goddamn cosmos has multiple planets. Well, one of the, the challenges basically to know anything more about them is that planets are teeny tiny little rocks, right? And they're flying around those bright stars. You can't see goddamn shit. But what you can see is actually the uh, material composition of the planets kind of shining through their atmospheres every time they pass by their star. So basically as they're orbiting their star, you get this little like a barcode scanner of what that planet is made of, right? And so you could know, oh, yep. it's got carbon and nitrogen and oxygen, whatever the shit, right? And and oh my God, it's got oxygen. Holy shit, that could be a, a, an exoplanet with life, right? And so how do I say this? Somebody that knew about light spectroscopy had to meet an astronomer. Well, okay, probably they were both working at UCLA or you know wherever, MIT or something. They ran into each other. But the idea that someone would think, hey, you know what? We could actually do uh, food quality analysis, basically nutritional analysis yeah. by doing light spectroscopy. You had to get those two people in the room somewhere, right? Or maybe get the light spectroscopy guy interested in gardening. Same, same difference, right? So I'm thinking to myself, almost, like, go ahead. I say almost no invention has the inventor known or had an idea of what the practical uses would be. Most inventions, the, the inventor or researcher is following a path of questioning, and then they have a discovery, but generally it's someone else down the line that puts that to use in a way where the world benefits from it greatly. <laughs> Not in all cases, but in a lot of them. Hmm. Light spectroscopy, probably one of them. Like who, I, I mean, doubt I that guy ever I knew that to, it was uh... I was, I was actually going to make a crude joke about farts, but then I shouldn't. I was like, oh, I actually have a guest. I shouldn't do that. <laughs> You're uh, a good company for those kinds of jokes. Exactly. Uh, what was I going to say? What I was going to say is, speaking of that kind of... Um, <clears throat> speaking of the... Uh, uh, what am I looking for? I can't... I mean, the, the word escapes me now. Literally, the word has just fallen out of my head where you meet each other and talk to each other. What's that fucking called? We, you were just saying the... 
Oh shit on a brick. I networking? Yes, there we go. The networking. That's speaking right. of networking. Spectrality dropped out of my head. I know exactly, so. right? So uh, uh speaking of networking, it just about almost fell out of my head again. Does uh and the networking of those kinds of conferences cannot be beat. That honestly is probably many people go to those conferences just to go to the to networking. They they blow off the conference completely and they just hang with all the people that are at the conference. Because I've heard this many times. People say, the people I want to talk to are in that room or in that conference room or in that conference hall or whatever. You know what I mean? So like of all the entire world, you've congregated all the people that could possibly be interesting to talk to. It's really second to none. We, Go ahead. We we do this for a purely selfish reasons, not purely, <laughs> but like, well, actually, yeah, it all comes when it comes selfish to reasons. The talking to people, like, yeah. we're like, okay, I really, we really want to talk to Dr. James White in person, shake his hand, been following his work for a while. So we're like, let's have him come and speak. And Dan Kittredge, who's now a friend, you know, we're like, ah, oh, we want to hear Dan speak. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely a way to get to kind of, you know, become friends with the people that you kind of, I I won't say idolize, but listen to, um, and admire, or at least for me. And, um, you know, and the, the irony is like, you know, just about everybody that I've been like, oh, I would love to hear this person speak in person, you know, when they finally do like, you know, years later, I'm like, oh, I'm actually really good friends with that person now. How crazy is that? So, uh. Yeah, getting to be in the room with the people makes a huge difference. And um, I was going to say something else about that. But yeah, just the, oh, yeah, blowing blowing off the conference. Yep, uh, definitely have been known to blow off conferences <laughs> because I didn't really go there for the conference. I go there to, you know, yeah, meet the certain person or, or you know, get together with a certain group or uh, do whatever. MJ BizCon. We we didn't even we didn't go to MJ BizCon at all. We did the after parties. We did yeah. our networking. We yep. did our. <laughs> That's where it happens anyway. We do have like kind of built into because it's so much audience kind of Q and A with some of the stuff. There's a lot of interaction there. But then all the breaks, we go out and smoke, and then at the end of the conference, we'll do a wrap up at the Summit Lounge, which is the only consumption lounge in Massachusetts. It's a dope spot. They have like food and milkshakes and all kinds of stuff. You just you bring your weed and um, you come hang out and smoke. So that's where we'll go uh, wrap it up there um, after Sunday is done. We'll all go. We'll, everyone will go get food and then come there and hang out. And um, yeah, it's a good time. I was actually just talking with Charlie Swan. We're going to rent out the Summit Lounge to have like a meetup. Hmm. It's a, a dope idea. spot. Kyle over there is—he's a super good dude. They're—they're they're a lot of fun and and easy to work with for sure. It was definitely cool to have that hotel be cool to let us all smoke there too. Yeah, yeah. That's the other thing. The 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 venue is is super uh, friendly and and open to. I mean, I know people were smoking in their rooms because they they did. I think I had to make an announcement one time. It was like, hey, you know, just go outside. But they really were so cool about everything. And, you know, they asked us back before we even left. So, um, you know, that says a lot about the attendees. Um, and so, you know, super grateful for everybody that came out. And really, last year was pretty amazing. It was it was pretty amazing. And this year, um, you know, for anybody who shows up, it's, it's going to be pretty dope, too, with the the debates. I know all of the speakers are super excited to get to talk to Dr. James White. So like everyone yeah. I've talked to is like, is he going to be there the whole time? Like, are we going to have time to hang out? And um, so, and he's a super friendly guy. He's excited to talk to the audience members and 
Um, for people who don't know, Jeff Lowenfeld's new book, Teaming with Bacteria, it's he it's all based on Dr. White's research. Um, and Dr. White helped him. Um, I think he, he kind actually, of put that together. Yeah, he gives and, full credit to Dr. White. He right. says, I'm not a right scientist, on. I'm a journalist. Yep. I just like, you know, break this stuff down into digestible information for your general person. And Dr. White's background is he's a plant pathologist. Hmm. So if you have questions about diseases, uh, you know, he's he's definitely very versed in that as well. I wonder if he jokes about being uh, a plant murder police doing plant autopsies or something. I don't know. That was funny in my head. Uh, so anyway. Uh, He's got a good sense of humor. Does he? Uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm just thinking about the, the, the morgue with the, the dead plants. <clears throat> so what I was thinking about with the organic, or how do I say this? Uh, how do I word what I'm about to say? I'm curious if you think this is the case, and I, I hope it is the case. Not only is the networking fabulous, you actually get to make friends with people per perhaps in other industries or in the same industry in a different part of the country or whatever else, but I wondered to uh, myself, uh, I know Wendy especially is very active in the appellation, the, 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 how do I say this, the, 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 the creation of a, not only a craft market, but a respected craft market of kind of a, a controlled origin, everything else, a little bit like they do in Europe, right? Uh, at least I think Wendy has been involved with this with, I guess, Gangier and everything else, right? Is it possible that building these kind of national networks assists in that kind of uh, intention? Because it's one thing to want, let's say Humboldt or, or a different region to be a respected, you know, culinary region. It's another thing for that to actually happen and happen nationwide on like a, a massive, you know, scale, right? Like it's one thing that everyone in California knows Humboldt, but if nationwide, everybody knew Humboldt, that'd be a different story. Is this kind of thing part of that path? Um, yes and no. <coughs> so Appalachians, you know, I mean, honestly, I guess it doesn't like, have to be necessarily Appalachian, but let's call it the culture. Yeah. In this case, I guess the culture of organic regenerative gardening. Yeah. I guess I was kind of combining two different things. That's a better example. Yeah. Yeah. Because definitely like most people in the world actually do know of Humboldt. Like I've done a decent amount of traveling. And when mm -hmm. I go places, even like, you know, I just recently last year got invited to go down to Brazil and people there were like, oh, Humboldt. Hmm. Hello. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, well, hello. Um, so as far as, you know, cannabis is concerned, I think that we will see things that will be more driven like a domain of origin or a, um, you know, appellation, which is more of a legal term, if you will. Um, and, and that starts getting into legalese and stuff, which I'm, you know, not, I don't know. It's, it's interesting, but it loses the heart of the thing, which is more of this organic methodology. And I think that as more and more consumers become connoisseurs because the political environment has lightened up and allowed for it to happen, I think that we will see people start to actually recognize the difference between, you know, living soil grown versus, you know, hydroponic and full sun versus LED. Um, and, you know, a lot of consumers that I talk to, they're like, LED weed always looks better, but if it's grown under a HID or a metal halide, then it actually tastes better. And if it's grown under the sun, it has a whole different level of, you know, tastiness to it. Um, but we have to get to that point where it's not just, you know, box wine. It has to be like, oh, I do actually understand the difference between 
the terroir and the cultivar and how those play together and where that you know, heritage knowledge comes into, you know, basically, it's basically like epigenetics. It's the turning on and off of different gene expressions in a plant. And we know this, there's, you know, contests like the grow off, which literally is doing exactly that. You know, you see certain plants that are testing at 18% and others come in at 32% THC. It's the same lab. It's the same clone. What in the world is changing that? Well, it's, it's not even as simple as indoor versus outdoor. It literally is every factor, every factor that the grower is putting into it. And, um, you know, and, and again, I, I love that we have all this flow through of verbiage and terminology that's becoming more normal nomenclature across different lines. So like, you know, five years ago, epigenetics wasn't really talked about hardly at all outside of like some really, you know, high science heady type conversations. And now it's like, I swear, probably over half the people I meet end up asking something about epigenetics, either if it's with our own human body or with cancer or with plants or with, I mean, it's just, it's wild. It's wild how much we know. And it's wild how much that shifts into like we're talking about, about this shift in perception, this shift in, you know, caring about things and putting things together and being like, oh, this does make a difference. It's a good illustration that the consumer actually drives all of this and that the education of the consumer is the number one factor in creating craft markets. Because if they don't know that what quality is, because a lot of the market is newer, um, you know, it's hard to justify why you would pay more for you know this eighth over a, a different eighth um and we're starting to see that slowly start to shift in california where we're at um because some of the bigger dispensaries are seeing this flow through with customer retention um you know you get more return business if the customer is pleased with what they bought and that means that the not only does the taste need to be there but the experience needs to be there as well um, and just like craft wine or beer, they are starting to care about where it comes from. Well, who grew this? What's the story behind that? Um, that's not everywhere, and it will take a while for the market to mature into that. But um, I think it's a good indication that that's what drives it. James, hey, actually I'm going to pop off, guys. Oh, you're taking but, off? Uh, Cheers, Miranda Family Farms. Yeah, Great to see you, buddy. Thanks for letting me <clears> on. Yeah, hey, man. Cheers, dude. Yeah, bud. Hope to see you there. Uh, James Christopher was actually asking, apropos what we were just talking about, uh, how are current efforts for Appalachian recognition in uh, California, I guess? That's kind of like super difficult. It's kind of like um, an issue out there, isn't it? Well, so we have an Appalachian program. the way it's defined. Um, but it really has kind of stagnated mm-hmm. as far as I know. Um, I know that Janine Coleman from the Origins Council has been working on it. I know that there has been, you know, movement within the program itself. But that being said, it is incredibly expensive. And it is fairly, we have a new problem in California in that they basically put a bunch of restrictions on it, which uh, one of them is that you cannot be pulling tarps. So no light deprivation. But now California state has just changed the definition of light deprivation. So we have mixed light, basically. So your license types are indoor, outdoor, and mixed light. Mixed light was including pulling tarps, even if you didn't have supplemental lighting. 
they just changed that definition that the Department of Cannabis Control did to say that if you're just pulling tarps, but you don't have supplemental lighting, you can now be considered full outdoor. Well, so if Appalachians restricts you from pulling tarps, but there's no now oversight on whether or not you are pulling tarps because mm-hmm. all of that is outdoor, it, it kind of threw a huge monkey wrench into the whole program that I don't know how they're going to move forward. Because if they strictly said you can't pull tarps, you're trusting the people who own the licenses to tell you whether or not they pulled the tarps. Hmm. And if it's going to help you with your bottom dollar, which means at this point in time in California, saving your farm and, you know, being able to feed your kids, I guarantee people are going to say that they're not pulling tarps when they are. So I don't know. It's a mess. Also, <laughs> also, it's also difficult to quantify without cannabis being legal federally there is no interstate commerce so the idea of an appellation to me at least currently doesn't make a whole lot of sense um and also i appellations are pretty confined and it would to me something like the emerald triangle being these huge counties that are recognized like it seems to make more sense that you just market it as you know hey this you remember when you were buying weed 20 years ago? Well, it came from Humboldt, and now you can buy it legally or, or whatever. Um, and then there's also this whole other aspect where there is, because everyone's growing cannabis everywhere and there are these legal markets, there's there's a pushback in some areas. We're like, we don't give a fuck about Humboldt weed. We don't care. We can grow our own weed, and we grow good weed, and they're not entirely wrong about that. So I'm on, um, like, I think. Sorry, James. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'm on like both sides of like the coin with this. Like I hang out with all the hype kids that do the heady glass and don't really give a fuck. But then I'm, I'm an organic grower and I'm actually the one that's kind of like at these events preaching. And like here in the market, I don't see people even giving a fuck if it's terror or not. It's kind of sad because like people just want cheap weed around here. I've noticed uh, the majority, there are some, growers and stuff like in small community but we're nothing like california or oregon everyone just wants the best they can get for their dollar that's an interrelated problem actually isn't it smash now that i'm thinking about it uh so as james said the customer in this case i guess is uninformed you know the customer needs to be informed to give a shit basically about the higher quality cannabis i saw wine country develop basically all around the willamette valley like in the last 30 years started as just cowtown shitsville basically lumbertown uh uh lumbertowns cattle turkeys you name it those were the kind of uh uh, uh hops uh, all kinds of other stuff like it wasn't like that they were uneducated hicks or something they knew what they were doing but there there was no like fancy wine and then all of a sudden basically people realized you could actually grow really good wine here a couple different varietals pinots and a few others but at first it really didn't gain traction and a lot of the lumberjacks and everybody else really looked over their noses at the fancy fancy wine people but wouldn't you know it the wine culture has absolutely fucking exploded to the point now they call it wine country they don't call it lumberjack country or anything else uh what was the point i was trying to make uh on the other side basically there's no incentive really for the organic farmers here comes another bostonian or or massachusetts guy uh uh where's the incentive really for the organic cultivators that want to come to your organic cultivators uh, that uh, conference how do i say this there's no extra money in the in the 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 dispensary game they don't really normally get more money when they sell weed to dispensaries there's no real farmers markets that we can speak of like 
I don't know. How do we yeah. well, go for it, it? it? The money comes in in the profit margins yep. because like for natural farming, the way that we farm, you know, we spent <laughs> cashews. I like that. Nice nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah your 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 money is you might not get more dollars per pound just yet but you will get more money per pound on a higher quality product and that does start to come through so you know california basically did a huge crash and burn and we like our farm has consistently gotten more money per unit when we sell it because it is higher quality. So we're able to command that market. We're able to hold that line. We also are spending, you know, relatively next to nothing on the cultivation because our style of cultivation is so low cost that, you know, honestly, at a $500 pound, we are raking it in, although we're working our asses off to get there. But compared to other people that are spending $450 per pound in expenses on their fertilizers and their nutrients, you know, you're making 50 bucks a pound. That's not even enough money to get a trip. And people used to spend that much or more, right? With all the different sweeteners. I've been to all the different humble grocers, not all of them, but I've been to a couple of different humble humble grocers and they've got the freaking five different sweeteners and this and the A and B and the da da da. And oh my, yeah. And tons of people still grow that way. But eventually, when the market crashes state by state, which it will in every single state, I guarantee people that are like, no, it's never going to happen. Michigan was saying this four years ago. Oh, we're doing great. It's never going to happen here. I'm like, <laughs> okay, just, you know, I hate to say it, but it is they're the law of supply and demand. And, oh, no, they're, I mean, they, they have put up a decent fight and they're, they're doing better than a lot of places. But, you know, when prices dropped below a thousand a pound, like people were freaking out. And I'm just like, every state needs to be prepared for that. And so that means that if you're getting 2000 or 3000 a pound right now, this is a great time to transition into mm. a lower cost of production because you will suffer in yield because you will have a learning curve. You will. It's just how it goes. Okay. Any transition, you're going to have a learning curve and it generally is going to, you're more than likely going to see a dip before you see a comeuppance. That's not really the right word, but whatever. Um, return. return, right. You see a dip before you see your return. So if you have the kind of um, leeway right now to be able to shift, then I highly recommend you start doing it because again, you know, 20 cents per square foot is very manageable as compared to $2.50 per square foot. And those are real farm statistics from my farm. So that was our transition to natural farm, farming. Is that the kind of thing expenses. you never know who's listening to, to the show? Uh, uh, how do I say this? Is that the kind of thing that a beginner or a relative beginner could benefit from at this conference? I'm always curious about these kinds of conferences. Yeah. Like obviously an advanced person could benefit, but with someone that has just it's, recently started growing, go ahead. It's almost easier if you're new because you don't have to unlearn bad habits. Hmm. So when we're like, hey man, don't touch the plant. You're over, you like, you know, one of the, <laughs> One killing of the main, it with kindness. Yeah, stop killing it with Literally. kindness. Stop throwing everything, including the ch- ki- ch- kitchen sink, into it. Like when you throw the kitchen sink on a plant, the plant gets smashed. Don't do that. <laughs> well, what I would say is, and and this is, and you know, uh, Miranda Family Farms had to bounce, but um, there's a guy, uh, there's a company called Bay Grown Corp out there. Um, he won the grow off for his state, Maine, right? Yep. Um, he won the grow off and he attributed the conference and with changing and he placed in a, too, yeah, I think. um, 
he attributed the conference with changing how he was growing, um, giving him the confidence to do so, um, and then, uh, you know, actually upping his game. Um, what I would say is, you know, uh, if you're a beginner, there is some high level information there, but the way it's presented is very palatable. So, um, you know, Dan speaks in a way where our seven year old understood what he was talking about when he was describing pH. Um, so, you know, it is, it's, it's digestible. So even if you're new to growing plants, period, um, you're going to get something out of it. Um, if you're ready to transition from salts, um, it's definitely a good place to be because you can, again, connect with those people. But as far as cost saving, like Wendy said, right off the top, you can cut your input cost. So that is a way where you can become more profitable as your market starts to have a tighter overhead, you know, your bottom line. Um, and the other thing is the market will mature. People are becoming educated. So, yeah, you might you know, be happy with the cheap weed or maybe you can only afford the cheap weed. I was definitely in that position for many, many, many years. Um, you know, I'm scraping resin out of bowls all through high school and in my early twenties. Um, yeah, but that was as the market matures, yeah. what's that? That was like the early two thousands too. When we yeah. were <laughs> weed and had to um, wait for shipments. <laughs> as the market matures and people become more, um, become more used to cannabis they're using it more regularly they become more interested in okay this is great i'm, I'm getting high i'm you know getting all these benefits from it but now like i want to taste all these different kinds and you know it does over time um get better and with programs like ganjier um you know there there is a real effort going on at a bud tender level um to educate consumers coming in because a lot of times what happens is People go into a dispensary, they're newer to cannabis, they get sold something that does not work for them, and then they are scared off from it. So we've done a lot of uh, potential harm in bringing new customers into the industry because we're so excited and we want to get everybody in, but we weren't necessarily thinking about what the best way to help them have a good experience was. Um, you know, I'm someone who is going to gravitate towards something that tastes good and is potent because i have a high tolerance but somebody who's new to smoking that they don't want anything to do with 30 percent thc like that's going to make it so you never want to come back again except ironically that's what they basically order they basically go in there and try to get the most potent thing because they're trying to get value for the dollar they think there's, two yeah. people. there's the people that walk in that I, i've talked to them oh, actually a bunch of like people that work at dispensaries about this i'm like so what kind of people come in to, like because I go to a lot of events, I do. Um, and they say the old people that come in and ask for old strains, and then they say people that have no idea that just look at numbers. That's mostly yeah. what they see. Someone like me walking in is like a treat for them because I'm actually like teaching them about, oh, this is this cross and blah, 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 you know, just kind of going off. So it's interesting to see the market for sure. It's going to, and then the fucking other thing is like these dispensaries are so flashy. People like do TikToks a thing. Like you got to remember that. Like it's a huge thing. People's attention spans are so short nowadays. Whatever catches their eye is what they're going to go to. I think you touched on something really important uh, before we have to, to bounce. And that is that a lot of bud tenders do not have the proper education in order to be 
in that position. Um, that is why I, for one, I, I probably never have the developed palate to go through the ganja program, but watching those people come out as, as passionate as they are and as rigorous as the program is, um, cause I, I know there's tears on, uh, testing and graduation days because not everyone makes it. And the people who do are really good at what they do. Um, and I have a respect for that. And, and I really hope that that continues and that other programs like that continue to educate bud tenders because as long as, you know, the bud tender is just a, a job that the local head is getting, um, you know, there is a, a slight disservice that's being done to all those new customers that come in and don't know what they want. Because if it was someone like you that was behind the counter, you could tell them all the different caveats to all these different crosses and how they might affect them and, you know, get the story from them and what they're actually looking for. Because that's really the most important thing is what do they what are they using the cannabis for? Start there. I don't want to I'm keep actually, you because you guys are oh, go ahead, Smash. Oh, real quick. I'm actually seeing a lot more people get into like RSO and stuff, uh, like not even smoking as much. Although a lot of the older heads are just taking edibles or RSO. Huh. It's interesting. We always forget how big all the other stuff is rather than flour. We're all interested in flour is because we're like nerdy growers, but most people just to do edibles and concentrates and stuff like that. Uh, what was I going to say uh, before we wrap up? Cause you guys are literally in a parking lot, just about to drive uh, to the <laughs> East coast. Uh, we, you know, we'll wrap up basically with uh, the conference and, you know, pretty much uh, you guys will have a couple, whatever, a couple minutes or whatever to, to talk about here in a second. But I, I was, I was going to say like, if you have time, Wendy, do you mind saying like, what's the role for the, the Ganjie basically? Cause we get this question constantly basically in the chat or people will talk about it or they'll, they'll make fun of it. They'll say, Oh, it's, you know, thousands of dollars. Is there a role for people where we're, we get all kinds of different people in the chat from growers to noobs to experienced people. What do you think? Yeah, it's, um, so basically it's like a crash course in everything cannabis is one of the main misconceptions is people are like, well, I've been growing for 30 years. I don't need this. And I'm like, yeah, okay. You probably don't, but it's not a cultivation course. It's literally a course in connoisseurship. And, you know, even when we were developing this damn thing, we would sit around and be like, God, I have never looked at weed this way. And, you know, we're talking about like people like Swami, right. Who's been smoking for 70 years, practically. Um, Kevin Jodry, who has, you know, done the genetics and just like all of us are like, it is such a trip to actually sit here and look at this on so many different levels. We've had people that are lawyers that came in and they said, you know what? My thing is, I get called up to be a um, expert witness at court and I want to be able to go up. And when they ask me one of those dumb open-ended questions, I want to be able to go for an hour and talk about all the way that what they're saying in court is wrong and how cannabis is not this evil drug. and you know, I, I need all this information for that. But in general, it really was set up originally to be a bud tender training guide, like a, a course on how to understand your consumer and your customer, how to guide them to the right product, the right concentration for them, for their issues that they need it for. Um, but again, what it's come down to now is like, I, I mean, every single live training, I end up in tears because there are so many people that have these poignant stories of people that are still in states that are illegal. People from Texas that are like, I've never, ever gone to sit in a room with 20 other people 
that love weed as much as I do and be able to talk this openly and this freely and connect at this level. Um, we've, you know, it, it's also a jump start on, you know, like you want to talk to Kevin Jodry, you want to get his email. It's a great way to do it. <laughs> like, and yes, it is expensive. It's $3,000. It's not, I'm not saying that it's cheap. Um, we have scholarships that people apply for that I think is a 50% off. So that can help. And even that's out of range for some people. But I'll tell you right now that, you know, even with my Korean natural farming classes and things that I took when I was learning, like it's an education. So you can choose to, you know, invest in that or you can choose to do it on your own. And this is all stuff you can do on your own. It would be really hard to calibrate and kind of, you know, get to this level of what are you tasting? So if you want to learn how to taste wine, you literally go to a wine tasting with a sommelier and they'll be like, swirl this around, do it like this. Now, do you taste this certain thing? You know, this one has cherry and vanilla and undertones of oak. Do you taste all those? You're not maybe going to pull those out on your own. But once you have an expert in there telling you that that's what they taste, all of a sudden your brain is like, yeah, oh, I do taste this. So then we have a whole nother level of people that can interface with consumers who are like, whatever, I just want the cheapest weed that I can get. Well, do you actually, or do you actually want to have this amazing experience with this amazing flavor profile? Because if you want this experience in this flavor profile, you're not probably going to get just the cheapest or the most potent. You know, we want to guide you to the things that actually have that. So it's, um, you know, it's a level of education for the person who's taking the course. And then the idea being that they're able to get out there and continue to spread that education and that connoisseurship to other people. There's so many weed nerds out there that are so, you know, terrified to talk about things still. Like, it's crazy. It's mm -hmm. mind-blowing. And you get these people to be able to open up and then give them inspiration. It's, um, it's cool. It's a really, it's a fun program. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate that people think that, you know, oh, whatever, you're a snobby gone GA. Well, you didn't like my weed. I'm like, you know, you guys, I, you know, not everybody's always going to grow the best weed always. Like I've grown stuff that I'm like, oh, this is going to get a low score. I know it. And it does because it wasn't done right. That's farming. That's part of being a cultivator. If you, yeah, you know, that I, I, shit I, happens. Yeah, I crush it every single time. I'm like, oh, you've been growing for less than five years. I guarantee mm. <laughs> probably less than three because yeah. eventually you're going to hit that wall where you're like, dude, I can't do anything right. What is going on? And then you get over that and you keep going and you know, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, I, I don't know. In my opinion, it's a super fun course. It's a great way to again, network interface. Um, it's a great way to have an instant community. And especially if you're in a place where, you know, it's still illegal. And there's a huge level of advocacy involved in Ganjie also, like, you know. it's. I'll say as someone who's not in the program, has nothing to do with the program, has has barely, I mean, I think I've, you know, I ate lunch with you one time. I've not mm -hmm. been there during a live training. I've just talked to and know some of the people that have come out of the program, become friends with some of them. Incredibly uh, diverse group of people. Um, and the knowledge is a super deep knowledge base. Um, you want to meet some fucking weed nerds. The Ganja <laughs> program is, is, is where to be um, because it is to the point where I'm someone who my entire life as a consumer of cannabis, I, I would do if you sold me a bag of weed and tried to tell me what it was called, I would literally make fun of you because I didn't give a shit. 
I thought it was funny to make fun of you. Um, and all I was doing was doing myself a giant disservice because now all these years later, when like I could really be using that information, I don't have that library that, you know, people who are like tried every fucking strain, tried every process, like our friend Alex, he knows like, oh yeah, in 2000, whatever, that's when all the papaya hit the market. And like, he fucking knows everything. Um, and those are the kinds of people that you meet there. So, um, you know, if you, if you're in the cannabis industry or trying to be or whatever, there's definitely a lot of knowledge in, and it covers so many different areas. Um, it's not, I mean, it's a great, if you're a butt tender, definitely take it, but it's not just that it's so much stuff. Um, the, the, just the assessment of cannabis alone, it's freaking incredible. And I personally believe that this is a program that is helping legitimize the industry in a way that needs to be done. Um, you know, alcohol, chocolate, cheese, you know, these are high, high level industries. There are people that get paid insane amounts of money because of how good they can taste a fucking piece of cheese or taste wine. Um, that is the way cannabis needs to be looked at if it is to be taken seriously. And that is, this is how you do it. It's a professional trade certification. So if that floats your boat, go for it. If you want to, you know, sit and make fun of it, that's fine too. Like, honestly, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, I I know we've taken a lot of flack lately uh, because of certain things, but again, kind of like what we're saying at the beginning, like education should not be exclusive. We all have to play on the same team and sometimes you have to change things from inside. So just like what James was saying earlier about getting people to do natural farming and at least organic farming. Like I don't really, if, you're, if, if I can't sell you on saving the world, but I can sell you on saving your company a bunch of money. That's all we'll talk about. And that's great. We're on the same team. I'm okay with that. And so for Gangier, you know, if I can't sell you on, you know, the importance uh, right down of, the street from my, from me. Huh. Yeah. Sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. No, no, yeah. no worries. But if I can't sell you on the importance of quality cannabis and why there should be cannabis connoisseurs, but you know, I, I I lost track of what I was saying. I don't even know. Uh, yeah, basically, just education should not be exclusive, and everybody should be invited to the table to learn and to grow. And um, and if you can't afford the program, make friends with the Gangier. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm sure they'll be happy to help you out and look at your weed and, and teach you some shit. Cause that's the cool thing about all of them. At least the ones I've met is they're super open and friendly and willing to talk about cannabis because that's their passion. That's what they love talking about. So one of the, and apply for the scholarship and save your yeah. money. And you know, yeah. like my first, the first KNF course I took, I, I saved up for it. Oh, and don't have any, uh, don't have any misconceptions about it being pay to play. People get failed. And if you're an older yeah. person, yeah. your olfactory senses may not be up to snuff. So that is something to yeah. take into consideration. It, it is something that, that gets glossed over a little bit, but it is an important thing is that you, you pay for the course and uh, you might not pass the test. You might not get that certification. You still get all the knowledge, which is great. Um, and really there is like me, I love knowledge for knowledge's sake. I've, I can't tell you how much money I've spent on different aspects of my own growth, both college and, you know, post-college and, you know, trade things like Korean natural farming and personal growth, you know, programs like I've paid, good Lord, I don't even want to add it up, tens of thousands of dollars for my own personal growth in different aspects. 
So, you know, it's something that you can take the knowledge from, regardless of if you pass or not. So also don't take this as some golden ticket to some high paying cannabis job because it's not necessarily that either. You know, this is still a program that's an, it's baby it's what steps. what you make of it. And it's just, yep, just like life, it's what you make of it. But you do get hopped into a really rad group of people for the most part. So that's for me, again, kind of like going to a conference, like going to network, going to talk with the people, you know, come to Suzanne's workshop and learn how to release bugs the right way so you're not wasting your money on predators that aren't doing the right job. Suzanne's rad. She'll give you her phone number and answer her phone and talk to you for an hour. Sometimes. (laughs) Like she's, you know, pretty, pretty rad about helping growers out and she really just wants us to all be doing well, not be spraying chemicals on our our plants that we're going to be smoking, which I got to say for an entomologist, you know, a lot of them are, what what do they call them? Nozzle heads. A lot of them are nozzle heads. They'll spray anything on anything. They just, you know, their main concern is IBM. And when you're working with like ornamental plants um, and you're maybe making one penny on a flower, because that's how tight the margin is on this stuff. you know, it's really important that you know what you're doing works um, and that, you know, it's cost efficient. Um, and I guess on that point, her part of her um, workshop is a tour of Pride's Corner, which is a it's either 60 or six. I think it's a 600 acre greenhouse facility um, that does like ornamentals and stuff. Yeah. So if you've never been in a commercial greenhouse, um, there'll be a whole tour and you get to kind of see how different things are. Yeah. And learning again, how to, uh, you know, learning how to preserve your profit margin by not doing things like buying $5,000 worth of the wrong predator insect because you misidentified it (laughs) or throwing out all your soil because you had thrips, but the species of thrips you have doesn't have a soil born life cycle or soil life stage. So you just wasted all your money. You know, there's a, yeah. There's so much to learn. It's crazy. It's wild. I was just going to say, speaking yeah. of, uh, I guess they're, they're not exactly the same because you guys are not giving like a certification uh, at the end, or I don't know, maybe you are, but when you said that the Gangier is a professional certification, for a lot of people, that kind of is one of those things that basically checks the box and there's really no other box yeah. that you have to check. Like, uh, how do I say this? <clears throat> the sommelier programs, from what I remember, I think there aren't any public ones i don't think there's any really university ones maybe there are some wine courses but most of them are basically private courses too right yeah yeah it's it's a sommelier program it's a it is it's very similar it's a professional trade certification uh sommeliers have four levels ganjay theoretically will have three but we only one right now um and uh yeah and i mean we one of our students that graduated at the last class last year uh, literally broke down in tears because his dad is one of the leading agents in the FBI. And he was like, dude, this like legitimizes, like I'm bringing this home to my dad to be like, look, this is a legit thing I'm doing. And it's, it's those, those are the stories for me that make the difference. Those are the stories knowing that kind of like that drop in the bucket, but that one person's being that drop in that bucket is massive. You know, that's a massive drop in one person's life bucket that changes everything for them. You look like him, Fumi. I know. I was <laughs> gonna, you sound said. like him, too. You sound like him also. He does a little bit. I, we'll have to have yeah. him on the show. You have to tell him that, that you were on this uh, awesome uh, cannabis podcast, not cannabis, fake pod, cannabis podcast, and that he should come on here. 
Which one is Fumi? We can't tell. Anyway, <laughs> thank you guys. Uh, I appreciate you guys coming on. That's we cool. should let you go uh, uh, continue driving. These poor guys are going to keep driving basically all, all night and all day until they get Woo-hoo! to uh, uh, the Wizard of Oz, probably, I think is where they're driving. No, they're driving to uh, Sturbridge, Massachusetts, where all of you folks that are also there, uh, Charlie's Farm, you're in the neighborhood. A lot of you folks should go and uh, check it out. Uh, uh, Wendy, James, would you like to say anything about the, the conference? Uh, Four is yours, guys. Yeah, go to the website. If you guys can't afford a ticket, there's a form to fill out for scholarship, equity tickets. Um, you know, if you could pay half or whatever, just fill out the form, put a message in there. Um, not to undercut ourselves or anything, but there isn't a set amount of scholarship slots. Someone asked me earlier today, if you can't afford it, and but you can you can make it there. You can afford a room if you're traveling from somewhere else, you need to stay there figure it out. We'll get you in there. Um, that's, you know, we did the same for Miranda family farms and for anyone who can't, um, that being said, the attendance will be smaller than it was last year. Um, and yeah, so, you know, any little bit helps. Um, but yeah, we're super stoked to be there, excited to meet new people. Hope, you know, that, you know, you can be there. Um, you can use the promo code James 2023 for 15% off. If you can afford a ticket, um, and yeah, come out. The speakers are rad. Um, you know, basically anyone you want to talk to, you'll be able to walk up to and, and shake hands with and, and, and hang out. And so, yeah. And also be super prepared to take a fuck ton of notes and be tired at the end of the weekend yeah. because it is a lot of information. Um, it is, it's all very useful. And, you know, again, you can rewatch the stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. the last year we were definitely tired by the end of the you forget sometimes when you go places like as a tourist or whatever, your eyes are looking the whole time. And you're like, what do you mean your eyes are looking? No, literally like, you know, normally you're not really looking at stuff. You're just kind of seeing it. But when you're actually like at a conference or, you know, as a tourist or something, you get physically tired just because of looking at stuff. So can you imagine like actually getting tired from thinking and looking at stuff at the supernatural conference? It's going to be super fun. Cheers guys. It's going to be awesome. I hope uh, anyone listening in, I hope they go and uh, check you guys out. Cheers guys. Yeah, Thank thanks you. so much, bud. We'll, uh, we'll... Safe travels. Yeah. Drive well, safely, guys. Godspeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, bud. We'll so, talk right, to It's going to be beautiful this weekend, so it's not like you're going to be freezing yeah. your butt off or anything. It's going to be really nice it's all weekend. Be I know. We're looking forward to going to Dan's farm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. Cheers, yeah. guys. All right, Thank guys. You. Have a good Thank one. Thank you, Wendy and James. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye, guys. Folks, you guys have heard uh, Wendy and James of OrganicCultivators.net, just like it sounds, if you guys are listening in, OrganicCultivators.net. This weekend, not next weekend or the following weekend or another weekend, it's this weekend, so don't dawdle, ladies and gentlemen, the second annual Supernatural Conference. It's 2023, Sturbridge, Massachusetts, so hopefully there's going to be a third one. Uh, It looks like they have a bunch of sponsors and stuff, a bunch of awesome guests. Just that third, or is that now the fourth day? No, it's the fourth day, actually, technically, with uh, Bug Lady Suzanne. So if you stayed for all three days, and then the fourth day with Bug Lady Suzanne, just that fourth day is worth it just by itself, ladies and gentlemen. She is a freaking font of wisdom. I've gotten to meet her personally. She knows more than anyone that I know. I've heard a lot of people kind of bandy about a bunch of different names, uh, which is fine. Uh, Lots of folks are nice, and they know lots and lots of stuff about bugs. 
Suzanne is an actual entomologist and actually knows what she's doing and has worked real hard to get where she is. So when she has the seemingly annoying, even I asked her about, you know, how she, uh, when in James uh, intimated that, oh, they're not allowed to film her. Famously, if you meet her, she'll basically give you a whole spiel about how you're not allowed to uh, film her and so on. She has a very good explanation and it makes perfect sense. She's been ripped off uh, uh, any number of times for her photography. She's really serious about her photography. There's basically nobody better uh, at bug photography that I know of. And I know, like, as a photographer, I, I follow actual lots of photographers. She's exceptional. She's just invested in like a stack shot and all this different stuff for her uh, bug scouting and everything. So, anyway, long story short, she doesn't like to be ripped off or copied or anything else. And uh, frankly, it's better off if you just basically get the explanation in person. Folks, you will get way more than how much is it? 125 bucks worth of value just from meeting Bug Lady Suzanne. Anyway, folks, if I was out there, I would go. Uh, I'm seriously thinking about doing the streaming. I just don't like to wake up early. <laughs> so that's my problem. <laughs> Good for you. Someone's going to do it. Man. Three o'clock in the be. fucking morning. <laughs> fucking bullshit. But anyway. What's going on, Charlie? Yeah, all three days. Oh, yeah, it's our time. I think they're streaming all three days. Yeah, they're not streaming uh, Bug Lady Suzanne's uh, fourth day on Monday. So what is it again? Yeah. The schedule is God. It's a fucking conference. It's a hell of a conference. It's not that expensive, actually. Think about it. Friday, yeah. February seventeenth. Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday with Bug Lady Suzanne. And mind you, that again in the morning. If you believe this sadism, Bug Lady Suzanne is at eight fifty in the morning for two hours oh. talking about pest management. And then she's going to have a whole day the next day. That's baller. Nice. Yeah. Hey, would you, What's would, you consider, would, you, would you consider coming on this show? She has been on the show. All right. Yeah. No, duh. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rewind. Unfortunately, people can't see that fucking episode because I have to take it private. I don't know. I have to find a way to, to bring those episodes back. That's right. Requested, so I keep uh, thinking about it. Thanks, folks, yes. for requesting it. I'm really on fire tonight. Can't nobody hold me down. I'm doing whatever now. Ain't got no time to fight. I'm talking way too loud. And if you don't like the sound, you could just tune it out. Who you rooting for? They say whatever team that will win. I say cool, cause it's gonna be whichever one I'm in. Say open night, doing just what I 
how they looking at me. I think they influenced by me. They say they not fucking with me, alright. Wish how they looking at me. She want me to slide for the flame. She want me to show her some things. But right now, I focus on me doing me. Gotta watch step on the tightrope. I never fall off this light work. No one's people trying to see me down real bad. Same ones trying to be me where I'm at now. Same ones trying to figure how I got here. I've been serving my pot, bitch. Shoving my sauce, been writing these songs since 48 key drops. Tell me when to go, how you think I'm finna stop? I be protecting my inner child. You could keep all of that dissonance. They be hating on me because they see I'm gifted. It's all from the soil, shit 3D printed. I be doing me like I got a blink check. I be decking shade for the love and respect. Wanna touch stage, cross seas on me. No drama, more flights. Next year's looking lit. I'm laid up in somebody's grass. I'm burning the gas to my last breath. Life is so fragile, enjoying the roses so high you can't see me, I'm seated She wanna beat me, I'm trying to do Fiji, I live on the island alone I'm trying to be one with my aura before I allow your soul She want more than a flame Want me to give her that moonlight Everything not what it seems Real one from the jump start Gotta watch step on a tightrope I never fall off this light work Lord knows it's God's work